I'm really excited to see if I mean Harit or Konoplyanka or anyone makes a strong showing at the World Cup and how that could affect transfers and values and all of that. So I think the summer won't be boring. <laughs> Definitely not. There's that song we all know and love. Blau und Weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Lieben, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, with no Schalke games this weekend, how'd you cope? Well, yeah, I wish I could say that it's a victory Sunday, but unfortunately, <laughs> the season's over. We've reached the finish line. This is the, uh, the final episode of the 2017-2018 uh, campaign. You know who it's not a victory Sunday for? Bayern. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. <laughs> well, with our season coming to an end, we brought back one of our favorites uh, to help us sort it all out. She's a city trotter, dreamer, chocoholic, coffee snob, German-American Francophile who calls England her home. She's the founder of Good Cow's Kitchen and tweets blogs about football and politics. She's recently moved to Munich and can, uh, she was on hand for Schalke's last match. Please welcome back Marie Schulte-Bockum. Willkommen, Marie. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. Really excited to talk about a good season. And it's always a pleasure working with you, too. Yeah, you've uh, officially reached friend of the show status now, as this is, I believe, your second time back. So uh, congratulations on being that uh, <laughs> the only member of that very exclusive club. <laughs> Thanks. It's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> she handed out an award, so she's the first one. <laughs> yeah. End of season awards. First one goes to Marie. Boom. That's how it's done. Give the guests an award. That's the best thing. To, all right. So before we get into the into the meat of this podcast, let's quickly um, talk about real quick. What did you guys make of the, the Pokal final yesterday? Are we happy about the loss from Bayern? Or are we upset because we don't get to play them in the Super Cup? What are we thinking? I'll go with you, Marie, first. I was very, very happy, I have to say. It felt good to see a team really put up a fight. And I thought it was a very good tactical performance from Frankfurt and a deserved win despite the penalty situation at the end and yeah I mean shame about the Super Cup but that would have just been a financial gain I didn't really I don't really take the Super Cup that seriously yet I have to admit so from a Bundesliga competitiveness standpoint it was very important to see that it is possible to beat Bayern and all the better that it was an important match and very happy for Frankfurt that they could win the trophy. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I didn't get to watch the entire thing. I was actually working a side gig yesterday for most of it, but I caught the last 15 minutes or so, which was um, some of the most dramatic moments. But uh, happy for our friends, of course, at the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast. Uh, I agree with you, Marie, that I think it's probably good for the Bundesliga narrative in general um, that Bayern doesn't win everything all the time. Um, you know, I would have liked to be in the Super Cup. Uh, you know, it's it's early in the season when those happen, so there's not a lot of conclusions that you can draw from them. But I still think it would be nice to have a test against 
what should be the best team in the league early on to kind of see where we are and how the new players are fitting in that sort of thing. Um, but as you, I mean, as you said, you can't take too much stock in that, and uh, it's pretty difficult for me to be upset when Bayern loses. So I'm 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 happy for Frankfurt. And leave it to the uh, the team that finally beats Bayern. Their coach is actually going to Bayern next year, so that's like okay. What do you take from that? <laughs> it's interesting to see because uh, uh, certainly a great performance, definitely by Rebic, uh, and then uh, Gasinovich with that goal at the end. Uh, they, it looked like for a while that you know, once Bayern got that goal, that they were going to get in this and take it over. But uh, Frankfurt stood in tough, and they fought to the end, and they kept this get stronger as the game went on. So good for them. Um, but you know, this is the Schalke podcast, and. Uh, I think it's uh it's time to it's time to transition to talk some Schalke and uh, let's give it some words. So Jack, what do you think? Let's take it away. Yes, for the last time, as I shed a single tear, let's take it away. <laughs> All right. Um, this year, it's been uh, it's an up-and-down year, really, mostly ups. The season began with the unknown, the hiring of a young, unproven manager, uh, despite my article preseason about why he was a great fit. Um, then came the hammer. Schalke favorite Benedict Hovides was let go, stripped of the captaincy that was given to Ralph Fairman. Um, Schalke ended up opening the campaign with a surprise victory over last year's darlings, RB Leipzig. Uh, Schalke would go on to lose two of the next five games, and then they got hot. Um, mentally won the game, uh, which may be the one of the greatest River Derbies ever uh, in a 4-4 thriller. Um, then, then after that, we had a confirmation that Leon Goretzka was leaving Schalke. Schalke went on this huge unbeaten uh, unbeaten streak, a lot of wins, six wins in a row. Max Meyer saga came around uh, that we had to deal with, and then the culmination of everything, finishing in second place, and then a date in champ- next year's Champions League. Um, Marie, what did you make of this entire crazy season, uh, the ups and downs? Uh, what did you take away from everything? Oh, I loved it. I think one of the best seasons of late and the first time that it's been really fun again to be a Schalke fan for a long time. I mean, I remember the team around 2011, 2010 with Jefferson Fafan. I think Raul came at that point as well, Draxler and Huntelaar. And this has been... This team we've seen now um, hasn't had those stand-up performers or that quality, perhaps. But then it's all the more remarkable what Tedesco could make out of them. And yeah, really a team I can get behind in terms of the qualities that Schalke uh, fans want of their team, you know, with the fighting spirit, mentality, efficiency. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And obviously the two matches against Dortmund have been (laughs) highlights for me, I have to say. (laughs) What about you, Jack? Yeah, it's certainly been um, an, an up and down season. Ultimately, ended up in the right spot, you know, with the Champions League berth. But uh, you know, the turmoil going into the season, as you said, with Tedesco. Uh, you know, I was somebody who, um, having not known a whole lot about him, thought that Schalke might be getting a little bit too cute and trying to duplicate what Hoffenheim did with Nagelsmann. Um, and Schalke ended up finishing ahead of them, so uh, shows what I know. But uh, yeah, Tedesco's been phenomenal. Um, it, this team was just consistent overall, um, you know, in terms of their defensive work. Uh, I mean, they never really blew teams out that often, uh, but they rarely got blown out themselves. And, you know, they just kept grinding and 
um, I just love the effort. It, it was great to see. It was a team that was playing for each other and playing for the manager. And it was great to get some of that that positive spirit back, which I think has been lacking at times um, from Schalke over the season. And then, you know, Max Meyer and Goretzka, their departures, particularly Max Meyer's in the end, was, was pretty tumultuous. But, um, you know, I, I'm still optimistic for the future and, you know, some of these moves we're going to make in the summer. And um, you really can't have any complaints at all when we finished, what, 11th last season and we've, we've jumped up to second and it's finished ahead of Dortmund. It's about, about as they can get. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's, it's such a crazy season, like you, went, like you think about it. I mean, there are so many highs in this, in this season and there's obviously the losses of, like, like you said, Goretzka and Max Meyer. Uh, we had that loss in the, in the, the DFB Pokal semifinals, which is a little tough to take. Um, but you had games again, again, like both River Derbies. Um, we had, uh, in the Rook run that is going with the, the big win streak there that we thought, uh, it seemed like it would never end. And we did lose, uh, before the River Derby, but, uh, it seemed to help us out if anything. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, start, starting off the second half of the season with what three losses in five games and, yeah. and dipping from second to what were we in like ninth or something like that, or what was it six? I forget. Six and then, ninth, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then going on that incredible win streak. I mean, yeah, especially the Rook run, it was, it was a crazy ride. Marie, where do you know where do we go from here? I mean, Tedesco, this is all seems uncharted waters for him because this is his first full season as a manager. He had only what eleven games as as Eisenberg Al uh, manager, and then so now he he just finished his first season with Schalke. Uh, he obviously has to try to improve this summer and get his ta- his tactics. They were there. I mean, the team is so much more disciplined this year than they were like in the Weinzierl era. So. We got. We know they got that, but they need to get some way to get more goals in and 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 bring more players in. Because when we get you know these more games with Champions League and and the DFB, there's uh, so much more rotation needed. Uh, you can't just use the same eleven to fifteen players. You need to have depth uh, in order to play all these games because you're basically playing every three to four days. Yeah, I agree on all of those counts, especially about the depth in the squad. I also I I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I keep coming back to this that. The quality in the squad just isn't there. I mean, it's very surprising that they were able to finish second over much better teams with better players such as Leipzig or Dortmund and even Leverkusen. So I think they, Heidel and all those in charge, Tedesco as well, have to really be honest with themselves there and admit that this was a very fortunate season, a lot of narrow 1-0 victories. And um, they have to loosen the purse strings a little bit. I'm I'm actually not too worried about up front. I think Burgstahl is one of the most underrated strikers in the Bundesliga. He's always done his job. And we do have talent on the flanks as well. I'm most worried about this gaping hole we have in midfield. Because there are parts of the season where with Max Meyer and Leon Goretzka, we really had stand, a standout midfield. And those two players who were very crucial for us this season are both leaving and uh, I'm excited about the signing of Stuart Serdar, but I see him as a talent, nothing more. And I would really want to see a signing of um, the more experienced player who perhaps has some offensive qualities as well, who can contribute to attack and really take charge of the game from the middle of the field. Now, Jack and I are both under the impression that McKinney can can get better. He he had a, he had a fantastic season as far as you know from last year to this year. It was he he grew by leaps and bounds. Um, so we think he can even get better and eventually maybe one day be one of the best players on the team. Uh, but so he can he's possibly a person who could put, fill that role in the midfield. 
Bentaleb, we're still not sure what he can do, but I, you know, I'm, I'm agreeing with you that I think we need more depth there for sure. Uh, the wings, the wing backs are, are, are good, but they need depth there as well. You have Kyle Jiri, Shof, you know, he's been admirably this season. You know, Chipka, um, if you've got Baba Raman remain on the team, which is going to help, but you still may need another person at least there to help them out. And then a central midfield, it's going to be crucial in number eight role and number six role. Um, yeah, we have guys here, but we need to bring in some other guys as well. So what do you think, Jack? I mean, I really agree with Marie's take that, um, you know, as good of a season as this was, we shouldn't be, uh, you know, resting our on our laurels here in, in the offseason. This was almost certainly, you know, an overachieving season for us. Um, as good as we were, you watch a lot of these games. Like if you're sitting there watching the match, Schalke do not look significantly better than any team that they beat. Like it, that was a very rare experience to be watching a match and being like, yeah, Schalke is clearly the best team on the pitch here. Right. Um, you know, as you said, we have a lot of one nil wins, you know, tight matches that we ground out through, you know, excellent work rate and, and great defensive organization and everything. And that's a credit to Tedesco and, you know, the team for, for doing that. But uh, I mean, there certainly is a lot of room for improvement. We've, we're losing, you know, two of our best players and um, offensively, I'm not saying that, we don't necessarily have enough offensive talent, but in terms of, uh, you know, the goals that we're creating, we need to find a way to improve the offense because um, I don't think we're going to manage the number of set piece goals and dead ball goals that we had this season. You know, we can't rely on, um, you know, all the penalties that we got and converting all of those to bail us out in some of these matches. We're going to have to find a way to, to break teams down and, and just literally outclass them rather than, you know, kind of grinding these things out. So uh, not to get too pessimistic on it, it was a great season. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of work to be done still for sure. I'm trying to lift up this show and you guys are just bringing it down. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> so if, 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 you know, if Heidel has to address these concerns, do you guys want him to, to go in the market and shop? Or do you want him to look in the Nappenschmiede and try to get some youth from the academy? Uh, how do you want him to proceed? Maybe a little bit of both. Uh, Marie, I'll go to you first. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because, uh, as I said early on in the show, I was uh, auf Schalke for the for the last match, which was at home last weekend, and I actually got a chance to ask Heidel personally if there are any players they're looking at pulling up from the Knappenschmiede, from the Talent Academy, and he very cleverly answered that he doesn't want to put the pressure on any one player by naming them, but the under-19, which is usually the kind of crown jewel of the Talent Academy is doing very well again this season. They're, they might actually win the German competition against Hoffenheim yeah. this week. So there's definitely promise in there, but I think we have to be realistic. And you you don't get a Leroy Sané every year. You know, you don't get someone who goes straight from playing under-19 to scoring against Real Madrid. <laughs> so I think it, yeah. it's got to be a bit of both. I would really like to see someone come in from midfield who costs a little more, has experience. I do agree about Weston McKenney. He's had a good season. He played very well, actually, in that last match. But I think he needs someone more experienced by his side. And we can't put too much pressure on this 19-year-old American boy to carry the team yet. <laughs> and it's uh, look at that. You know, we have this person on the inside talking to Heidel one-on-one. That's, uh, that's fantastic. How, how, tell us about your uh, experience at, at Schalke at the last game there. Oh, it was wonderful. It was a really... It was very relaxing being there because, of course, we had already secured the second space, so there wasn't that much pressure on the team. And given all of that, I was very impressed again by the mentality of the club because they did uh, put the effort out there. They did secure a victory. And pretty much from the 60th minute onwards, the fans were celebrating the club and, uh, you know, screaming, Fietzemeister, Fietzemeister, which is, you know, like the 
kind of like the vice yeah yeah <laughs> cool and yeah in the end even Goretzka was celebrated a little bit despite his Bayern departure and I I wonder sometimes if Max Meyer perhaps was watching the match in front of the TV and regretted his own uh, the own way he left because uh, I think and we we interviewed Leon Goretzka as well afterwards and he you know he had very teary eyes and he a shaky voice and he was very emotional and thankful for for that last match and the experience he he got from it. Well, let's talk about this Max Meyer thing for a second, though. Now that you bring this up, um, because it, it looks like I don't think this has been locked up yet. Um, I apologize if this has been confirmed already, but I don't think it has. But it looks like he's going to be moving to Hoffenheim, and um, for me, that is a lateral move at best. And actually, we had a tweet that basically said exactly that from uh, Ernie Santarelli, one of my buddies. What's up, Ernie? Um, and I agree with that. I think that Schalke historically has, has been a better club than than Hoffenheim. We finished above them this season. Um, you know, we're both getting European football, but uh, I, I think when Max Meyer w- was maybe pushing for a move, I, I, I would have thought that he'd be looking to go to a club that's a little bit bigger than Hoffenheim. And I don't know if it's just that he over... Um, stated his value or the way that this whole thing fell apart with Schalke. He, maybe he scared some bigger clubs off from him, but I really think that, that he and Roger Wittmann kind of bungled this ultimately because I, I don't think he's getting the move he would have liked and he's burned all of his bridges at Schalke in the process. And it, it's, it's probably not ideal. I, I would happy to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I completely agree. The Roger Wittmann. So that's his, um, advisor or what do you call it? Like, um, there's a word for it. Oh, his agent. Yeah. Um, that's been a, a saga throughout the season, especially because Bittman has other Schalke players on contract, like Tilo Kera, another youth product whose who's contract is up at the end of next season. So it's a real shame to see where that's gotten us, because in the end, I think everyone loses. We lose a big talent, an instrumental player, and someone who the fans up to recently could really get behind because he's from the region. And Max Meyer is going to... I'm sorry, but I, it's definitely a step down. You know, Hoffenheim is, didn't exist 10 years ago and kind of climbed the leagues and doesn't have a fan base, doesn't have a tradition, a tradition like we do. They got very lucky with this fantastic coach, Julian Nagelsmann, but he's going to leave as well, <laughs> you know, next summer at the latest. So if he does go there, I mean, lucky because they, they're playing Champions League next season. But for Max Meyer... Um, yeah, I think he's going to regret this choice for the foreseeable future because Hoffenheim is a much smaller club. Yeah, well, I'm agreeing, I'm agreeing with both of you because I do think Hoffenheim is a step down. And it's funny because uh, Roger Wittmann was saying, no, he's a world-class player. He's getting world-class money. And then world-class players don't go to Hoffenheim. I'm sorry. No, no, no offense to Hoffenheim, but they don't. Um, so that kind of disproves what he was trying to say and trying to sell. Uh, but this is a sneaky good move for Max Meyer in the sense that Nagelsmann and Tedesco are similar thinking managers. Tedesco got the most out of him, but anybody, because he put him in that sixth role. I can see Nagelsmann using him in the same position and, and making him build and get better and better off that position. Maybe eventually after that he'll go somewhere bigger. But uh, So in that respect, it's, it's, a, it's a sneaky good move by, by Max Meyer. But I, I agree with both of you guys. This is a step down, if anything. Um, so it'll be interesting because I – Maybe that maybe he wanted to stay closer so he can uh, stick to Schalke next year. Who knows? I don't know. But um, and then Marie, you were talking about how Roger Wittmann, his uh, he's an agent also for Tilo Kerr, and that's another talking point because what happens with Tilo Kerr's contract? I think it's it, it's due up next year or the year after or something like. So they're going to be in contract talks very soon, and you wonder 
you know, as a, as a, the way that they handled this one might affect the way they handle carry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So that, that you have to think about that. So uh, it's very, it's very uh, curious in that. And I'm curious what you guys think about that. Uh, Marie, maybe you go first. Yeah, I think it's a fine line to walk and uh, Heidel definitely has to look in the mirror about all of this as well, because we've seen this over the past few years that players that Schalke has built up go for nothing. And just because the contracts aren't extended early enough, uh, all the players aren't sold. And Tilo Keo's contract is up next summer. So really, you know, in my opinion, as a fan, he should be sold this summer or he should extend his contract. And it looks like, I mean, Heidel has already said that he's going to stay. And I mean, the way I see it, that means he's probably going to leave next summer for nothing, just like Max Meyer and Goretzka did. And that's a real shame. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Here's my question about that, though. I mean, how much money do you think Tilo Carrer can command on the transfer market at this point? Because, you know, as good as, and as promising as he is, I don't know if he's going to be a player that's going to bring us, you know, 30 million or something like that. And I mean, I think it's a little bit different from like Goretzka, right? I, I know that we were trying to push for the Champions League this season. And so it's very important that we that we maintain players like Goretzka and, and Meyer. But I almost feel like it would have made more sense to sell Goretzka this past summer than it would to sell Carer now. Just because yeah. I think, yeah. I hear what you're saying, especially, I mean, the key difference I would say is that, well, two differences. A is that Goretzka is already with the German first team, while uh, Kira is a key player in the under-21s. And of course, that Goretzka is a more attacking player, and those usually command larger transfer sums. I think if Kira were to be sold this summer, his value would be 18, maybe 20 million at most if he goes to the English league. We've got to remember Niklas Zule, who had a similar standing last summer, was sold to Bayern for 17 or 18 million. Um, yeah, but it, it's a choice, you know, it's a choice the club has to make. Uh, and, you know, as much as I would wish that he extends his contract, there's really this big split uh, between Wittmann, the agent, and Heidel, which you keep reading about in the local press surrounding Schalke. And it's very concerning because Wittmann still has a lot of power. Also, we were talking about that under-19 team of Schalke that's been performing so well. He has the rights to three of their best players. <laughs> so this. Yeah, this could be a problem for years to come. It's uh, okay. Let's so let's play devil's advocate. Say Tilo Care does go, whether he's sold, which I agree with you, he's, he's probably worth at most twenty million. Um, and so if he goes, right now we currently have you know Stambouli who could play back there. Salif Sane just got signed. Are you comfortable with those guys? We also got Ensua, or, or or do we need more depth in the defense? Uh, obviously Naldo's there, but he's thirty five, going on thirty six. He can only do so much. Yeah, um, there's also Matija Nastasic, who will hopefully exactly, come back yeah. from injury. I think he's a very good player. I would say um, in the defense on those central positions, so the centre-backs were very well set up. Um, and I actually think Stamboli has been fantastic this season. He's really stepped up his game. On the outsides, I, um, I, I see potential for some improvement, you know, kind of the wing-back positions, because I think both Kalijuri and Okchipka really outdid themselves this season and we can't necessarily expect that to happen again. But I saw Baba Raman come off, uh, come on after halftime in the last match and thought he had a really good um, performance and he's still very young. He was sold to Chelsea a few years ago. So clearly they saw something in him and with a bit of luck, maybe next season he could really be the surprise of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Jack, what are your thoughts on that? 
I don't know if I agree that Ochipka really overperformed this year. I think he played kind of exactly how I expected him to, which is just, you know, rock solid, very steady, you know, doesn't blow you away with anything he does, but just game in, game out, you know, grinds out good performances. I think Caliguri is probably the player who is more likely to regress um, from his performances this season. And, and I, but I, w- I would agree overall that that would be another position that we would certainly need to um, get some depth in, particularly if Tedesco plans on playing in that system going forward. Uh, the one thing I'd say is Stan Bully did a very good job considering that's not his, you know, his natural position, at least previously in recent years. Um, I, I'm not convinced that he is like champions league quality. And I could be wrong about that, but I just feel like especially against some of the better teams we're going to be facing, he might get exposed because he is um, somebody who tends to make occasional bad defensive mistakes and it just gets burned depending on the situation. And he, he definitely needs some some help, um, especially in transition and stuff. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel fairly good about what we have. Also, Herbert is back for the time being. He's probably going to leave again but he's he's back from alone i think so who knows maybe he'll end up staying again that would be interesting um but yeah you know nastasic had a great season we're bringing in sane um i think we're fairly well set up back there even if if Kara goes so this is certainly going to be an interesting off season both uh for tedesco and the boys but also for us as fans to see what heidel is gonna uh sum up and try to make us better if he does anything at all so we'll see it's going to be uh definitely a long summer but uh uh, with the World Cup and stuff, I'm sure lots of lots of stuff, lots of transactions are going to be going on. Um, Shackle fans, did this season blow your predictions out of the water? Tell us about it at so4 underscore podcast on Twitter. I uh, hope both you, Marie, and Jack uh, dressed formally for this because uh, we have some awards to give out. All right, so it's time for the awards portion of the show. We had a it was a crazy, crazy season, um, so we try to figure, out, we try to get a, think of awards that will encapsulate and get the most players possible. But um, yeah, there's some there's some things we uh, it's hard to you'll probably see a couple names over and over again. I know during the uh, midseason awards, Jack and I agreed on a lot of our award picks. Uh, so I'm curious to see with now with a, with a third person here how we'll do. Um, let's get this stuff kicked off with the best match and this could be interpreted any way you want um i'll leave it up to you uh, uh, to decide how you want to decide who you what game you're going to pick so um guess go first marie what was your best match oh hands down the 4-4 in the derby against dortmund um early on in the season that that will i'll remember that forever i was living in rome at the time and my grandparents were visiting they're from the schalke region and my granddad, he doesn't watch Schalke matches anymore because he's scared he'll get a heart attack. <laughs> but I, I was in a sports bar with my uh, grandma. And by the end of the match, we were literally standing on the bar, both of us. And there were some Dortmund fans in the bar. I, I don't know. It was just, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, we really kind of patted ourselves on the back for not leaving at halftime <laughs> when we were 4-0 down. But yeah, what a performance. And those images of Tedesco in the crowd with, with Goretzka and the other players. I mean, yeah, that, that's got to be the match of the year, if not the decade <laughs> for me. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. There really is only one answer to this question, and it's that it's that first edition of the uh, Revere Derby this season. Um, 
I mean, there's not a whole lot that can be said about it that hasn't already been said either by you just now or on this podcast previously or in the media elsewhere. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the greatest revered derbies of all time. It's probably the greatest game in the Bundesliga this season in general. Um, just an incredible experience watching that as a, as a Schalke fan. It's a remarkable comeback. And uh, but I will just to to differentiate a little bit, give a give an honorable mention to the uh, the first Schalke Frankfurt encounter where we went down. Two nil, ah, yes. yeah. and then ended up pulling that one back uh, via Naldo again. Um, <laughs> in the last second, there was that long ball played into the box that got kicked out to him, and he had that you know that pass finished into the corner and ran off with that like the ninety fourth, ninety fifth minute, something like that. So um, it, theme here is is Naldo heroics late in matches, I guess. But that will be uh, another one that I think is deserving of recognition. For me, best match is Rivier Derby Rookrunda. The two nothing win over Dortmund, and it's not because uh, the four four game was epic, but you know because how Dortmund was made to look by Schalke, they had no, put up no offense whatsoever. Schalke completely them, shut them down. That was maybe the best performance I think uh, in a game like in a game, especially that magnitude, and and to win two nothing with that big thunder goal by Naldo to cap it off. Uh, that was two nothing from a, se- a fan perspective, selfish point of view. Two nothing over Dorman uh, to seal the victory. That was that was great for me. So that's my best match of the season. So I'm going to differ just slightly from you too. Yeah, all very good answers. <laughs> all the matches I really enjoyed. All right, so we just talked about best match. Now I'm curious, what is your most disappointing loss of the season for you guys? This may be unanimous, but uh, Marie, what was your, what was your choice? Oh, definitely the semi final in the cup against Frankfurt. I think that was one match where Tedesco perhaps overdid the tactics a little bit, played too hesitant, uh, played too defensive, kind of hoping for that one break, and then it didn't come. And although there was, you know, a lot of uh, turmoil over that Franco Di Santo goal and extra time, you know, whether there was a handball or not, I really think we didn't deserve to win, and we didn't. And that was a very bitter pill to swallow because I really would have liked to see them play in the final. Jack, how do you feel about? I mean, I think that's the right answer again, especially based on um, you know what was at stake, uh, being late in a cup competition. Um, for me personally, I, I actually didn't watch all of that game um, in its entirety live because that was happening uh, while I was at work here in the states. So I, I kind of like half had it on. I was listening to audio, and um, I wasn't as involved in it as I would have preferred to be so um, as a result of that I am going to give a shout out actually to um, the loss against Bremen I believe it was like match day 21 Um, so early into the second half it it was right in the middle of that that bad stretch that we had um, to start the rook render where we started falling um, and I was very nervous about how things were going whether or not you know we had overperformed in the first half and we're gonna be able to keep it going in the rook render and um, that was the game where I believe uh, Yanusevich scored in stoppage time at the last second to steal all three points for them and that one i remember was uh was definitely a gut punch for me so that was that was my most disappointing loss yeah i remember that game very well and uh it certainly was a gut punch uh uh, we were hurting for a little bit after that because it, it was just almost like you weren't expecting that. I mean, even though we did that to them kind of in the in the in Rinda. Um For me, most disappointing loss, I was going to say it was the Hamburg loss uh, just before the Dortmund game. Uh, we were on a six-game win streak. Uh, this is the bottom of the league, t- bottom league team that we're facing, and we lost to them. And with so much at stake at the time, uh, the second spot was on the line. 
um, and we lose that. I was worried, but with the results went the right way for us, and it actually helped us uh, for that Dortmund game. Um, so that one got pushed just to the back burner because I think, like Marie said, the semifinals in the DFB Pokal, um, that, that hurt for me. Uh, just because I didn't think we deserved it necessarily the win because it was a very sloppy game by both teams. But I thought that, you know, considering the the fouls that weren't called at the end and then that the Santo goal, non-goal, yeah. uh, that kind of just pissed me off more than anything. So that's why it was disappointing for me. And I was like, come on, because I actually thought we had a chance to go to final and do something against Bayern. And, hey, all, all credit to Frankfurt. They won and they and they, they did the job yesterday. So, uh, But still, that, that loss meant more to me, I think, than anything could just because – my hopes got up, lifted up just for just for a second. Then all those things happened at the end, and you're like, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, that VAR decision or or the lack of VAR being involved in there was uh, that was pretty crazy. All right, so we're gonna go to next performances, best performance, and that can be game, can be player, can be any way you want to interpret it. Uh, Jack, let me go to you first on this one. Um. This is hard because there's so many good performances over the course of the season. Um, I think you could pick out on an individual basis like Naldo or Caligari, you know, 15 different occasions. Um, I am going to go best team performance and best individual performance from the same game, which is going to be uh, match day 30, the second revered derby. Um, I, I think, I mean, as we already talked about a minute ago, I think we were very dominant in that match and I thought we were incredibly impressive against um you know our rival in, in a team in a game of that magnitude i should say um and i'm also going to go Kanaplianka in that game um i think that was coming right on the heels of that hamburg loss yeah. and Kanaplianka is a player i thought we really needed in that match uh and we ended up inserting him the following week and he was all over the place against dortmund and that is they could just be recency bias on my you know, my part in terms of a, a match that was played not too long ago, but that is a performance, an individual performance that really stands out in my mind is he was, uh, he ate his Wheaties that morning for sure. <laughs> Marie, how about you? Yeah, I'm also similarly going to go for a team performance and perhaps a bit bizarrely, it's actually a Schalke loss and it's from the Rückrunde. It was in February. It was the match against Bayern Munich. Ah, yeah, yeah. Where, I mean, I, I just thought it was such a courageous performance. Actually, Schalke got a lot of compliments from other clubs as well. And uh, if Fairman hadn't had one of his very rare, but sometimes it happens, bad days, um, then perhaps we could have even won there. That was the feeling I got watching the match. And it was also the first match where Tedesco tried um, this thing with the three strikers, with Embolo, Di Santo and Burgstaller. And it worked really well, I thought. I also thought some of the kind of shaky players we have, like Embolo, Di Santo and Stamboli had really good uh, performances that day. So I thought that for me was a really memorable performance in the positive sense. And that was yeah. one of the first times that any team had pressed Byron for 90 minutes, basically. It seemed like uh, Schalke did a fantastic job of pressing Byron and, and making them feel uncomfortable and, and in turn made us in the game every time. And uh, it was a very close game. It was a 2-1 scoreline. But like you said, it was, it was more so the errors of firemen that led to those goals than anything else. And I just thought Schalke played so admirably in that game. And, uh, yeah, that, that's impressive. Unfortunately, they couldn't do that kind of pressing for the entire season. But, yeah, what a performance to do it against Byron. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good shout. Now that now that you mentioned that, that is um I agree with Marie completely. That was a very 
impressive performance despite the ultimate result. And we, and you know, that's Richard's favorite. You know, the defensive false nine of DeSanto, as <laughs> Rich, as Richard, as Richard born. puts it. Yeah, that's 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 like your seminal moment for the season, right? Exactly. <laughs> My best performance in this one uh, this season is going to go actually with the Riviera Derby also in the Rook Run. The I thought just complete domination, like I was saying earlier, and the two nothing scoreline against Dortmund. If I had to give a player performance, best performance, I think I'd go with Caligiri in the first Riviera Derby in the Hinrun. The I thought he played so well in that game, and, he, and that obviously big goal to uh, uh, late in the game to, uh, to get us back into it. So, uh, yeah, uh, we're pretty much all in unanimous uh, in that respect. Uh, let's go to one because I'm curious about this one. Uh, I'm gonna go. Let's go best goal, um, Marie. Let's go with you. Best goal of the season. Yeah, this was a tricky choice for me because I. I wasn't sure about what my barometer would be if I would want to go for an emotional goal or like the beauty of a goal. Right. But right. I found one. I found one which has both, and that would be the two-zero in the derby. Naldo's um, fundamentally like thunderous free kick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that beautiful me goal. Feels the show. Yeah. Jack, you got, is your the same pick or you got something different? Mine's different. I was going to give that one an honorable mention. Honestly, either of the Naldo goals in the in the derby, I think, uh, qualify. My favorite goal. Um, <laughs> yeah, the DeSanto backhill, right? No, I'm not going to give DeSanto credit, no. Um, <laughs> my favorite goal is actually from match day three against Stuttgart. Um, it's a goal that Bergstaller scored. Uh, what happened is Naldo had scored a goal early in the second half. And then a minute and 23 seconds later, Schalke scored again. And there, there was a goal kick um, that kind of went a little bit past midfield, which Naldo headed down. And that started a move that I think had you know maybe seven passes or so. Um, it, it was a great team goal that ultimately led to like a one and two between uh, maybe it was like Bergstaller and Harit. I forget. Um, and uh, Bergstaller gets played through and, and puts it away. And uh, the reason I'm picking that one is because it is the kind of goal that I don't think Schalke scored nearly enough this season, and it's the kind of goal I would like to see them score going forward. It was it was a great example of um, phenomenal off the ball movement and, and you know and awareness of where your teammates are and great incisive passing and moves that really just break a team down and make them look silly and, and you know you ultimately get a fairly easy goal on the end of it and. Um, that's something I would like to see more of going forward. So that was a, that was a very impressive goal for me. Anytime you can get a, a team goal like that, it absolutely takes you out of your seat for sure. And then Naldo, I mean, anytime he scores and goals like that against uh, in the Riviera Derby, uh, it go without question. Those are just magic goals. Um, in the, in the midseason awards, I did go up to DeSanto goal just to spite Jack. Uh, but I'm going to go different this time. <laughs> Best goal for me also is Bergstaller. But for me, it was in the Leverkusen match. Uh, in the Rook Runda, where uh, he got a ball over the top, and I don't remember from who, if it was Caligari who. It was Caligari, yeah. Yeah, and then he, he flicks it over to the defender and then goes one-on-one with the keeper and scores a goal. It's just a whole play together, and, and I, I didn't think that Bergsteller could do that. I didn't think he was agile enough to do that kind of play, to hit it over the defender and then take it into the goal. But that was that was the goal, best goal for me. So those are all, I mean, they're all good shots. There's so many good goals this season. Um, I don't think many people are going to pick the Max Meyer goal because it was eh, it was a fluffy goal against uh, Cologne in the DFB. Intentional, Cal. not intentional. I'm We're not, not sure. sure. We're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of Max Meyer, uh, this may be a this may be a selection for this one. Uh, comeback Player of the Year, uh, Marie. I'm gonna go with you on this one. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. That was my choice for this award. Just, I mean, so impressive that this player who was often touted as a kind of number 10 um, transition to a very physical role. He's also very small built, um, 
And yeah, what a season from him, despite everything that happened at the end. Uh, definitely my comeback player of the year. Uh, I think we're going to be 100% unanimous on this one. I, I completely agree with with Marie. This is a player that uh, was hyped for a long time uh, for us coming out of the youth ranks and uh, had some really good performances early in his Schalke career for the senior team and then really fell off and, and you know plateaued, if not regressed. And was out of favor, uh, you know, under under Vine Seal and, and others, and uh, a player that was really in need of a, a career boost. And luckily, Tedesco came along and you know thought up this new role for him, which he adapted to remarkably well. And I mean, it kind of pains me to be giving him a lot of credit given the way things ultimately went at the end of the season here with him. But I mean, he deserves it. He, he was phenomenal first half of the year. You know, didn't play as much in the second half, and but. He really was um, a huge part of our success early in the season and, you know, the ability to, to change his game that much and prove a lot of people wrong in terms of once, I mean, as Marie mentioned, his size and all that kind of stuff and uh, being aggressive and getting in there and, you know, making tackles and all that. It was a uh, huge comeback performance from him. And um, I think he got his career back on track this season. It's a clean sweep for sure because I also am going to pick Max Martin, disgruntled as I am about him and how everything turned out. Uh, he deserved it. I mean, uh, what a performance turnaround for him that for him, you know, this season. Obviously, Tedesco's one put him in this position. I think he's found his calling as a number six. Uh, I think he'll continue to play that position with Nagelsmann and Hoffenheim if that's where he, in fact, goes. But uh, he, he seemed to be calmer uh, in those positions. He may, he affected games more uh, in that position than he did uh, in the attacking sense. Because when he, when he was in the attack, he it was sporadic when he, when he did something nice. We had these glimpses. We thought that he was going to be like something special, like Lira Asana became, or even Draxler. Um, he never panned out that way, and so we were uh, we were wondering if if the best we'd ever see was just like, those couple glimpses, like we had like Lewis Holtby. But no, the, when he went to the sixth position, he became uh, very very good at that, at that position, and he was something that uh, you got you have to give credit to because uh, like him like him or lump him, uh, you have to say that he is comeback player of the year. And there were some there were some good shouts for other names, but. Uh, Max Meyer, I think, is uh, the undoubtedly number one pick there. Um, so that kind of goes off of this, and you, you, I mean, maybe we get the same pick, maybe we don't. Uh, most improved player, uh, Jack. I'm gonna go to you on this one. Most improved. Um, I struggled with this one a little bit. I think there's a couple different answers that could feasibly be the correct one. I am actually gonna go with Tilo Carer. Um, who is a player I thought really came into his own this season. Uh, you know, he's been, he's been in and around the side the last couple of years, but I think he really developed into a consistent first-team starter this season that could be relied upon more often than not and put in some really good uh, performances. I think he actually has more goals in him, too, than he showed this season. He His finishing around the uh, <laughs> in and around the box wasn't the best, but he was consistently getting into dangerous positions on the offensive end in addition to the work he did at the back. So uh, I'm going to give him some props and hopefully, uh, you know, as we were talking about earlier, uh, hopefully he ends up staying with us and, you know, becomes uh, an important player for us going forward. Cause I think he has that potential. Yeah. He's always in, he's always in and around those set pieces. Uh, he'd missed a lot of those opportunities, but he was always there, which is a good sign. Uh, we say that about McKinney a lot too. He's always in the right position. Just couldn't get quite get the goal. Uh, Marie, who is your most improved player? For me, it's actually Konoplyanka. <laughs> Uh, just because, I mean, this time last season, he had those despicable comments about our ex-coach, Weinziel, yeah. which is just not something you, you do. You don't criticize your coach publicly. 
And Tedesco really gave him another chance. Apparently early on also they had a private conversation about all that and he's kept his head down and he's had, he's really shown flashes of what he's capable of. I, I still don't think he's a consistent performer, but especially in the Rückrunde, those matches against Cologne and Dortmund um, have been standout performances. And, you know, sometimes when he's got the ball at his feet and he just dribbles forward, you know, you really hear people sighing on the stands. And it's a bit like how I felt watching Leroy Sané when he played with us. You know, he, he does have the capability to show that at times. So, yeah, I've seen big improvements from him. We we often on the show compare him uh, in, in the way he attacks a goal, similar to Robin, in the sense that he does one of two things every time. He either goes, you know, right down, down to the byline or tries to cut in and get a shot off. Uh, do you get, did you get that sense also when you're watching him uh, live that Konoplyanka is a similar type player, even though he's from the left side, not the right? Yeah, I think that's a very worthy comparison. Definitely see that. I would say the one thing that really frustrates me about Konoplyanka is the decision-making at the end when he reaches goal. He's had some absolute blinders <laughs> in front of goal, and that's perhaps something that he's lacking in comparison to world-class players like Robin, but... We'll see. I mean, you know, he's got the World Cup to play and he kind of carries Ukraine on his shoulders. Actually, is, are they in the World Cup? I think they are. Um, but yeah, for me, um, definitely finally showing what he's capable of. I remember when he was signed for 12 million, everyone was very excited about him. And then he had that very disappointing season and now he's coming into his own. Yeah, what, that one game that he had Jack, that he had all these opportunities to score, and he kept missing and one after the other, and like yeah. missing tap ins. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? But he's he can he has that excitement that gives that chance. But here, here's the thing though, and I uh, I apologize, I just like rapid fire stuttered there, my bad. Um, here's the thing about Kanapliyanka is that he consistently gets into these positions. I think more than anybody else does. He's so aggressive and is so willing to take people on that there are times where Schalke as a team are just not creating a whole lot and he just manufactures it himself and I love that about him and yeah his, his finishing on the end is sometimes uh, not ideal and he makes some strange decisions and he's, he's definitely missed some sitters this year but uh, you know overall I'll, I'll take that given the number of chances and dangerous positions that he's creating and I, I think that's a that's a good shout for Marie he, he definitely had a, an improved season I'm going to go in a different direction from the both of you for my most improved I'm going to go with Daniel Calagiri uh, just because pre- before this season, I really didn't think much of Daniel Caligiri uh, or his work ethic or anything. I just thought he was just a, a player to fill your roster. Uh, but this season, he was a catalyst for Schalke, really. He was the heart and soul. He was constantly you know, running his engine uh, nonstop for 90 minutes in every game. And, I mean, you want to see how, how hard this guy was working. Just watch that first Revere Derby in the Hinrunda or any game, any game for that matter. He was just everywhere, and he he was – from the beginning of the season, where where I thought he was to where he ended up being, I thought one of the most valuable players for us in terms of what he just brought. Uh, he's he's a, he can cross in the ball like no like no other with his right foot. He can shoot it with his left foot. Um, his work rate to get back in defense and make passes. I, I thought he was definitely most improved from where how I how I I thought of him before the season to where he is now. So for me, Daniel Caligiuri most improved. Um, all all worthy shouts and and Jack, since you were talking about how. Well, both of you really were talking about how Konopliaka was his creative spark. I want to move on now to the best creative player. And I'm curious if that's the direction you guys are leaning or where you guys are leaning to. Uh, Jack, I'm going to go with you on the on the best creative player. I'm going to go with Harit. Um, 
And part of the reason for that is the number of free kicks that he earned, which more often than not lead to really dangerous chances or, you know, sometimes even goals for Schalke. He was a player that was excellent in transition and, and was able to uh, really carry our, our team from defending in, into those dangerous attacking areas and, and getting chances um, of, available for us. So I think that uh, Harit kind of faded late in the season, wasn't getting maybe all the selection that he was was initially. And um, I think he probably had a better hand render than a rook render, but I think the future is very bright for him. He's going to the World Cup uh, this summer as well. And uh, he was he was a spark plug for us. All right, now to you, Marie. Same here, best creative player, Amin Harit. Um, I thought he was a wonderful signing, a player that immediately kind of captured the fans' hearts as well. Uh, I remember that performance he had against Dortmund in the 4-4 when he was fouled very late and there was like a hole in his sock and he kind of got up and carried on. And he's the most foul player in the Bundesliga, (laughs) which is just this incredible statistic. He was also the most foul player in France the season earlier, by the way. And he's so young and... He's, he can do things with the ball that no one else can for our team, uh, especially in 1v1s and dribbles. And he just tries, you know, he, he's very, um, you know, he doesn't take mistakes to heart. So when he loses the ball, um, you know, he just tries again next time. And I really like that about him. And one, one thing I wanted to say about Harit real quick, uh, going along with Marie's talk about his footwork and everything. Um, the goal that I actually mentioned, the Bergstaller goal, Harit has a really nifty turn Um on that play to help set some things up. And then also uh, something else that kind of stands out in my mind is um, the very first game of the season, Harit's first performance for Schalke in the Bundesliga, um, that late kind of Planka goal that sealed the win, Harit had an excellent piece of footwork to avoid a defender and then ultimately was the yeah, one who played yeah. that pass. So, um, you know, right from the very beginning of the season, he was somebody who was making things happen for us. It's going to be a clean sweep because I also think um, Harit is deserving the most best creative player. He was that X factor that uh, we needed all year uh, in that first Revere Derby. Came in in the 30th minute with uh, Leon Goretzka, and they they proved pivotal in that game. Like Marie said, he had a hole in the sock. He gets uh, he drew a foul that gets the guy red carded above Mayang. Uh, then he ends up scoring in that game as well. And every time he came on the pitch, he always tried to do something. There's very few games that he wasn't like exciting the crowd. Uh, with with his opportunities, uh, and I remember watching footage of him before he came to Schalke, and I'm like, okay, this guy has a lot of footwork, a lot of trickery. I don't know if it's going to pan out in the Bundesliga, and he trans and it translated perfectly, really. And, uh, he seemed to adapt to the Bundesliga so well, and uh, hopefully next year, I'm curious to see. I mean, the only thing missing with this guy is his goal scoring touch. If he can learn that, I mean, he's going to be. I mean, look out, he'll be like, he'll be coveted like Leroy Sané was. So. Um, definitely for me, best creative player. I mean, Harit, you guys both said enough about him. The next award, uh, it, it, it depends, again, on how you want to look at it. Super sub, uh, and you can look at it and whether it is you know, how they contributed goals, uh, how they impacted the team, how often they came on. Uh, it's up to you guys how you want to look at it. So, Marie, super sub, who do you give it to? Yeah, a bit boring to repeat a name here, but for me it's Konoplyanka, <laughs> just because he always gives his all when he comes on late, and uh, he really runs a lot. He has the footballing ability. Uh, things always happen when he's on the pitch, even if he comes on in the 70th or 80th minute. Uh, I want to give an honorable mention to Alessandro Schöpf, who I think in terms of technical ability is perhaps a bit more limited than other midfielders, but has, I mean, in German, we have this phrase like the the lungs of a horse, you know, <laughs> he yeah. really, uh, he really like tracks his kilometers. He always runs a lot and 
he can motivate other players on the pitch just by being there and giving his all. So for me, he's also been a good sub for us this season. Now, Marie, be honest. When you were at the Schalke game, did Conor Bianca uh, you know, try to get you to choose him several times? Did he pay you or something? <laughs> <laughs> Jack, uh, how do you hurt? <laughs> Conor Bianca was busy tanning already immediately after the match. He didn't have time to track her down and try <laughs> We make fun of his uh, his skin tone quite frequently on on the podcast. Um, for me, this was a tough one for me because I was trying to think of a player who came on as a substitute more consistently than you know in, in a starting role. Um, and the person who stands out in that mind is like you know Toyker, but you know he hasn't really done much yet, so I can't choose him. Um, I think Shuff is a really good shout. He's probably my honorable mention. I'm just going to use this uh, award as an opportunity to give McKenney some recognition. Um, he had his fair share of starts as well, but uh, I thought he was a player who was able to come on late in matches with fresh legs and really be a nuisance in the midfield and you know track things down and disrupt an, an opponent's rhythm and uh, close out games. I think he was important in some of those matches for uh, you know locking up the the close grind out results that we had and you know not conceding at the last minute. So uh, I'm gonna give the Americans some props. Yeah, you can go several ways with this with this award. Um, if you want to look at, at goals contributed off the bench, really there was several guys who contributed. They all, I think, they all scored like one goal. It wasn't someone who had three or four goals or anything coming off the bench. So, couldn't really use that. Uh, you could also say McKinney. McKinney's a good shout. Uh, you know, every time you wanted to have a pit bull in the game and try to tighten things up, McKinney was definitely the guy to go to. Uh, I'm gonna go with Brielle and Bolo. Uh, every time he came on, we we put him on to. Be that you know, be that speedster down the line. I mean, he he got his fair share of starts. Yes, he did. But uh, when they brought him in, uh, he was he he was his job was to you know cause some havoc to the defense, put pressure on the on the on the opposition, and then uh, try to get some passes, try to get some goals. So for me, Brial and Bolo, you could really go any way with this. Uh, all, all three all three guys are worthy of the pick there. Uh, so this one, I think, may be a unanimous pick, but uh, let's see what happens. Um, biggest surprise, uh, Jack. I'm gonna go to you. Biggest surprise. For me, this one is is Daniel Caligari. Um, he, we talked about this extensively on the podcast, but he's a player that, for whatever reason, I just didn't rate very highly. Um, I, I had seen him play previously, obviously in in the Bundesliga. He's no stranger here, and I just never thought that much of him. And when when we signed him going into the season, I wasn't upset about it or anything. I thought, hey, you know, that's a, that's a nice piece of depth. That's an experienced player who you know can slot in and you know probably put in a shift, but. I did not expect him to be the player that he was for us this year. Uh, six goals, 11 assists, I think, in the league. Um, you know, yeah, his, good. yeah, it's phenomenal. I think he was what our, probably our third highest goal scorer, um, and I'm assuming our leader in assists as well. And so yeah. many um, great deliveries from free kicks and corners and everything, and, and set up so many goals that way. And then. Um, you know, just put in, puts in shifts on the defensive end. He was just a really well-rounded player for us this year and far exceeded my expectations for him. Marie, are you going to go along the same lines as him? Yeah, absolute retweet from me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, you did a really good job of naming the reasons. It's pretty much all being said. Uh, I would just add that one thing, uh, one more thing to that is that Christian Heidel has been proven right. This is one of his signings that, Took a few months, maybe a season, to really show how effective it was. Same as perhaps Stambouli, uh, same as was the case with Stambouli and Konoplyanka. Um, but 
yeah, I think there really can't be anyone else for this award. Biggest surprise. It's funny. Um, we're talking about this pick, Sambuli, and um, they kept saying that he, oh, he played for PSG, and I was like, I don't remember him at all for PSG. He must have been on the bench the whole time because I don't remember him playing at all, but that's, that's I digress. That's beside the point. Um, my biggest surprise, I'm going to go with our manager, Domenico Tedesco, uh, just because he was an up, completely unknown coming into this season and then what he's done uh, to lift Schalke, not only from out of 10th place or whatever position we were last year, but into the Champions League and, and second spot over Dortmund. Don't forget that. So uh, just a tremendous way he brought discipline to the team, made Schalke relevant again back in the Bundesliga. Not that they were irrelevant, but um, they belong in the Champions League spots. And uh, a lot of that, most of that has to go to Domenico Tedesco and his tactics. So uh, he was definitely a surprise for me, a welcome surprise. So uh, yeah, Dan Calgary is an excellent choice. And um, he, again, that's why kind of why I picked him as most improved. Along the same lines that you guys were saying, is that uh, he's a hard worker. He does things that you you don't expect. And I mean, six goals, eleven assists. Uh, I mean, he doesn't score as much as Naldo, just the one goal behind. But uh, uh, he's a excellent, excellent player, and uh, hopefully he can keep that up. It's going to be hard to manufacture that next year, but uh, I'll be happy if he's. I'll be happy if he can definitely get that. So, all right. So, uh, best signing is the next category. Marie, best signing. Who did you choose? I chose Tedesco. <laughs> and I think uh, the reason for me, A, is because of his age. You know, when you hear of an Italian-German guy called Domenico Tedesco, who's 32, you immediately assume perhaps he's an experienced player brought to enrich the squad and yeah. <laughs> coach. Uh, yeah, I mean, what a signing, what a choice. He's just fit in uh, like a glove uh, for this team and really given us a bit of that swagger back, a bit of that pride and I mean, those images in the Rückrunde when they won against Dortmund and first he's like on the floor celebrating yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's in the crowd. I mean, the, the fans never do that, that they actually summon someone <laughs> to come into the Nordkurve and I mean, very well deserved and he's just done wonders. Yeah, the last person I think they called was Raul, I think was back in 2011 or something like that. So it's been a while. Um, yeah, Tedesco... Uh, what a what a what a pick by him by by Heidel for that and he got it absolutely correct so uh that's, that's definitely a great great shout for that jack are you going along the same lines i am just so i don't repeat myself with caligari or harid I'm, I'm gonna do the same thing um and unfortunately repeat marie so I, yeah i mean we've said <laughs> so much about him already on this podcast and previous podcasts as well but uh i mean the bottom line is you can have all the talent in the world at a club, not saying Chalka does, but in theory. Um, and that doesn't really mean anything if you don't have, you know, the right coach. Look at uh, look at Dortmund this season, right? With I mean, I'm not saying that's that's the strongest squad they've ever put out either, but some of the struggles they've had. Uh, it just Tedesco has done wonders with this team. Obviously, where we where we finish, but in addition to that, he's just brought back, I think, a sense of confidence and a sense of optimism and togetherness and just the the body language and, and from the players on the pitch and the way they interact with each other to me is just so night and day from what I've seen in previous years and it's it's really a joy to watch for me and I, I give him a lot of credit for that massive turnaround and hopefully we can hold on to him um, for you know a few more seasons obviously Nagelsmann and Tedesco are probably pretty hot commodities right now but uh, if we can build something with him that would be phenomenal I think he has a very bright future in, in the game He's instilled that coal miners mentality where it's not the prettiest thing you'll see, but it gets the job done. It's effective. It's hardworking. 
and it's it's what the Gelsenkirchen fans are, and and that's what they embrace, and that's why they love the team so much. And uh, Tedesco's brought that back from the whole lackadaisical way the team played under Vine Zero and even before that. Um, so having Tedesco was a fantastic pick. I am not going to make it unanimous. Uh, I am going to go with, I mean, Harit. <laughs> Uh, I thought just to have him as an X factor, we needed a player of of his quality, I guess. Um, yeah, we had Konoplyanka on, on the team already, but we needed another person, uh, someone who could draw the fouls, uh, set up goals. Uh, he he was he meant so much to the team, and I, I thought um, because of his play this season, it helped you know contribute to many goals. Maybe not directly, but you know, indirectly with the fouls that he took, that he was taken down on on several occasions. I mean, he may be the most foul player in the league that his fouls led to a goal, resulted in a goal. So um, I thought it was a key, key signing there. Um, so now uh, we're going to go to second-to-last award, and this is going to be player of the year. It's probably unanimous, but it may not be. Uh, let's go Jack. Jack, who is your player of the year? Once again, to not repeat myself, because I think the answer could be Caligari, I'm going to go with Naldo this year. Uh he could have been um, biggest surprise as well. I mean, there's a lot of different players that could have gone for a lot of different awards, but uh, to have the season that he had at his age, this late in his career, is remarkable. The guy was a rock defensively, and he's always in the right spot at the right time. Whether it's you know coming out of nowhere despite his lack of pace to put in a, you know decisive tackle or you know uh, clearing balls off the line with his head, uh, and then who would have expected the season that he's had? Offensively, I mean, he's done that a couple times in his career, I guess. But so many clutch moments from him in in huge matches, coming up with you know a goal late, or you know scored in both derbies for us. Uh, you know, scored that goal in the Frankfurt match I I mentioned earlier, and, and scored a few more more beyond that. He was incredible, and I, I think somebody that the team rallied around, and uh, probably an emotional leader to some extent for us this season as well, so uh, I'm super disappointed that he didn't get a shot to go to the World Cup with Brazil. I think he earned it and, and deserved that opportunity this year, but uh, if Brazil doesn't appreciate him, I think everyone at Schalke does, because he, he's phenomenal. I think everyone in the Bundesliga appreciates Naldo and all he's done with his 350-plus appearances in, uh, in the Bundesliga. Marie, are you going with Naldo, or who are you going with? Yes, I am. Yeah, definitely Naldo for me. And um, yeah, something else I wanted to add is just that he's so likable. I think he's the type of player who even Dortmund fans or Bayern fans would really respect and admit that he deserves to be in the team of the season for the league overall. Perhaps similarly to how we respect your Pankus and his career or Neven Subotic for Dortmund and all he's done. So yeah, for me, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And his age, that like big grin he has and his goals. There's there's so many positive memories from this season which are associated with his name. You guys keep bringing up the age and he's the same age as me. It makes me feel old <laughs> talking about him. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the guy, with the guy who never stops smiling, defender of the year in my opinion, and unanimous choice uh, right here with Naldo. I, I agree. You guys said everything there is to say about him. Uh, fantastic player to score seven goals this season. I don't think it was quite a career high, but it was just short, or he tied it or something. Um, what a what a year by him at, at his at his ripe old age of thirty five. Yeah, I, you guys have said everything there is to say, and it's a shame. I'm like with you, Jack. Um, it's a shame he didn't make the Brazil squad. I think he could at least been someone he could have in the locker room to to who's been there could talk about it. But 
either way, it's not going to diminish from what he did this year. Uh, great job by him, and uh, hopefully we can't expect it to happen next year because this was a surprise this year. You could almost say this is a big surprise, like you said, Jack, but um, – if we get if we get half of what he did this year, that that's still a great season. So, uh, unanimous choice, Naldo. All right, so here's uh, we're gonna go to our best starting eleven. Um, Marie, I'll let you go first, and it's we're probably all gonna have a similar one, but I'm just curious if there's a nuances, differences that we all have. Uh, Marie, who was your best eleven? Yep. So I have Fairman and Goal, and then three at the back: uh, Nastasic, Naldo, and Kera. Then I have Opchipka and Kalijuri as the wingbacks. And then I have three in midfield, and that's Max Meyer, Leon Goretzka, and uh, Amin Harit. And up front, I have two, which is not something Tedesco never did, but these are just my two favorite strikers. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, Burgstaller and Embolo. Very good, very good. And we know Jack is going to have Linda Lyon Di Santo, right? Who, who's your best one? <laughs> There is one difference for me up top. It is not DeSanto. Um, sorry, not sorry, Franco. Uh, basically an identical lineup to what Marie had. Obviously, Fairman in, in goal. Um, can't choose Nubel with his 30-minute cameo at the end of the last match there. Um, Kerr on the right side in the back, Nald on the center, Nastasic on the left. Uh, you know, Stambouli had a great season, but I think Kerr overall for me was my preferred player. Um, Caliguri in the wing-back position. Uh, Goretzka and Meyer in the center. Uh, Ochipka on the left. I, I think Shup had a really good run in that position late in the season, and I was impressed with him. But I think on the on the balance of the entire season, you have to go with Ochipka there. And then I'm going to have um, Harit in sort of that front three but deeper lying position, um, sort of that creative midfield type. And then up top, I'm going to have Bergstaller. And I'm going to give Konoplyanka the shout. Uh, I don't think he had as many starts maybe as, as Mbolo did up there, but I think he was overall more effective than Mbolo. But Mbolo would certainly be for me an honorable mention as well as, um, you know, Stambouli and, and Schupf. And then, you know, just because of his defensive work on the season and his, his, his energy and his, uh, his commitment in the pressing game, I'll, I'll give DeSanto a shout out as well. Uh, very good, very good. This is my show, so I'm making the rules. I'm saying you can pick Nubel. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I'm going to go. My, my, my lineup is pretty similar to both of you guys. It's just slightly different as well. Uh, obviously, Fireman and Net. Back three, Kara, Naldo, Nastasic. Uh, in the midfield, the wingbacks, Kalajiri and Ochipka. And then uh, in the, the two in the middle have Goretzka and McKinney. I'm going to go with McKinney. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe I'm still disgruntled about the Max Meyer thing. But <laughs> I'm going to go with McKinney on this one. And then front three, uh, Amin Harit. Konoplyanka and Bergstaller, with honorable mention to Ambolo and Schoff. So uh, we're all fairly similar in that respect. Yeah. Uh, it, it's pretty safe to say that was pretty much the standard lineup all year. <laughs> uh, any variation of those three. Uh, I think Tedesco did a fantastic job of rotating this year, uh, especially with the midfield and, and, the, and the attackers. Uh, the back the back pretty much stayed the same, unless there was injuries when the Sazers went down and then Stamboli stepped in. Uh, Stamboli and Kara rotated a little bit early in the season, so that's pretty good because there's some managers like uh, like Maurizio Sarri for Napoli who never rotates, you know. So you kind of need rotation, and it's going to be big next year with Champions League to have a manager that rotates. Uh, the team's already familiar with it, so no one's going to be, you know, their feathers are not going to be ruffled because they're not getting the play time because they weren't getting it this year. Um, only really person who got most of the game time was uh, Naldo. It's pretty much all the time there. So um, and him and Calgary probably. Oh, Calgary was even out a couple times. So. Um, those are that was both that was all three of our starting 11s fans do you agree with the awards panned out today tell us about it 
at SF4 underscore podcast on Twitter. All right, this was a fantastic season on many, many levels. The team now seems to be have an identity, and good things look like they're ahead of us for now on the horizon. Um, we'll have a podcast throughout the summer as relevant when news pops up, uh, but we'll go on a little vacation just like Schalke went to Barcelona. We're not going to go to Barcelona. I mean, at least I'm not, Jack. Are you going, are you going there? No, I'm not. I know Marie's in Munich, but that's for other reasons, not vacation, so... <laughs> We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Opta Franz, Bundesliga Fanatic, and the Bundesliga, plus everyone else providing us tidbits for our podcast this season. We want to thank all the great listeners and friends we met on the way. Uh, it's been definitely a joy. Um, that includes all the podcasts that joined us or joined, or we joined them to promote this wonderful league and team. Uh, we want to reach out to you fans now and ask what you liked about our show this year and what you want to see change added. Use the hashtag SO4Podcast. Uh, we want to thank our esteemed guest, Marie, on her contributions and hope to have a lot more collaborations next season. Marie, where can our listeners find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me, best of all, on Twitter, just at Marie Shubo. That's Marie and then S-C-H-U-B-O. And I just started writing for Focus Online, which is a German news medium. And uh, there you can find me under my initials, MSB. I just wrote an article about Renato Sanchez, for example, and uh, what he could do at Bayern coming back from loan uh, from Swansea and if perhaps Niko Kovac can turn things around for him. But yeah, keep looking out until maybe they'll allow me to write an article about Schalke. <laughs> ah, very good. And Gluck Alf on your new job there. Um, to my co-host Jack, uh, great season with you, my friend. Where can our followers find you on Twitter? Uh, first of all, thanks again, Marie, for, for joining us. It's It's always a pleasure. Uh, to have you on. Uh, as for myself, I just wanted to say, you know, six months ago or so, um, I was uh, somebody who had a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings about this club that I have this random attachment to from half a world away. And uh, I didn't really have an outlet for that. And, you know, I, I took a chance and, and sent Richard a DM and he was nice enough to give me an opportunity to hop on right after the first, uh, you know, Revere Derby. And, We've been doing it ever since, and I, I just I want to say thank you to you, Richard, for for giving me that opportunity, and um, to everybody who who listens and, and tunes in, and you know even the couple people that have sent us, you know, tweets or DMs in the last couple of weeks as the season's winding down, thanking us for uh, for what we do here. I know we're a, you know we're a small podcast, but you know to hear that we've given even just a couple people a little bit of value to their Bundesliga experiences is, is awesome and, and tremendously humbling. So um, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to you, Richard. And uh, you can find me at JM Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. And uh, thanks for a great year. Ah, very good. Very good. Yeah, it was, a, it was a heck of a ride this year. Once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, whenever that is, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Tschüss.